This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Now on Joy 94.9, this is The Glow Show with your host, Victoria Police LGBTI Liaison Officer, Gabrielle Tayak, Joy's own Will Lanting, with a range of Victoria Police staff and Joy volunteers coming together to inform and support our diverse LGBTI communities. Here is The Glow Show on Joy. And welcome to The Glow Show. I'm Will, and I'm once again, as always, joined by Gabby. How are you today, Gabby? I'm always good, Will. Always how, good. How was your weekend? God, seems so long ago. I know. It was it good. Does, it does. Uh, did I work? Did I not work? I don't know. No. no I com- remember. No complaints over the weekend? Not really. Was- A bit of relaxing, a little yeah. bit of work happening, so it was all good. It's funny I mentioned about complaints because we have some ah. very, very interesting guests in this evening. Very clever, Will. <laughs> well, okay, well, I'll tell you who we've got. We've got from our prof- professional standards command, we've got Superintendent Tony DeRitter. Thank you, Gabby. Thank you, Will. Welcome to the studio. Thank you. And also Inspector Mick Simpson, who sometimes is sitting at the front desk of Joy. That I am, and uh, it's really interesting to be on the other side of in the studio. It's strange seeing you in it here. It is. <laughs> but thanks for coming in. Thank you. Well, now, Mick, and what we'd like to do as well is I'd like to ask why you became a police officer, just to get to know you a little bit. So, Mick, first, why did you become a police officer? Oh, 32 years ago. Oh. Um, wanted a good job mm-hmm. and a job that uh, would make some difference to people. And uh, I've stuck with it ever since. And I still still enjoy it, mostly. There are days when it's a bit of a drag, but yeah. And so, obviously, you, you did your time at the academy, and uh, yeah, uh, where did you go from there? I was a constable at Carlton, the old Carlton Police Station, which is now gone. Um, ended up as a detective at Flemington, uh, and a sex assault investigator at the Rape Squad for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Sergeant at Paran, and uh, for the last 10 or so years, I've been at Professional Standards. Um, okay. Working in a, a range of roles, from investigator to... What I do today, which I'm sure we'll discuss at great length. So the professional standards department, which is more commonly known as the complaints department. Yeah, but bigger than just complaints. Okay. Um, compliments too. Compliments. Come on, people. Um, <laughs> my my area does education and training and uh, risk management. And Tony's is uh, probably the centre of all things complaints. <laughs> Certainly it is. Now, Tony, Sadly. What made you become a police officer? Uh, Well, growing up in the northern suburbs, it was a case of if you can't beat them, join them. Mm. Uh, Unfortunately, Will was... uh, (laughs) uh, A friend of mine actually talked me into it when I was only 18, and this is my 40th year. So uh, I've been around a long time. I'm just seeing if I like it. Um, (laughs) So far, I do. And um, I found the last five years or so where I've been working at the Professional Standards Command to be the most positive um, experience that I've had almost as in my whole career uh, because we're obviously able to do so much good work in addressing when things go wrong. And I, I actually find that really good. Um, apart from fixing things and helping people uh, perhaps get better service in the longer term, uh, helping members develop their uh, professionalism. Uh, also, we're very proud of our record in uh, 
and getting rid of idiots out of the job, which is um, something that we, you know, we don't want crooks in the job and we don't want uh, people that uh, do the extremely wrong thing. I mean, if you're redeemable, we try to save you. But that's uh, been a really positive uh, last five years of my career. And given we've got around 20,000 people within Victoria Police yes. in different areas, um, <clears throat> there's going to be some idiots. There are. We have... Uh, we've got people that take drugs. We've got people that uh, decide that it's okay to drink and drive at you know very high readings. Uh, we've got people that um, beat up on their partners. Uh, you know we're uh, in some ways a little bit of a micro version of the broader community. So what our job is, what Michael and I do, is uh, working at PSC. Uh, we receive these complaints. We take action when we when we find out about these sorts of things and and you know we work hard to to uh obviously meet our complainants needs they're our number one stakeholder after all mm -hmm. but also um to ultimately um if someone's behavior is so bad that they their career should be uh um, finished that's what we do because you've got to remember sorry mick um that police are just people and so we're going through all the trials and tribulations of everyone else out in society. And so, like you said, there will be police who are abusing drugs and alcohol and having mental health issues and, have, and being involved in family violence. And it's, it's because we're mirroring society. So just because we put our uniform on doesn't mean we don't have those issues. I was just going to say it's probably 30 to 40 people would, we would exit a year. At it's, least, yeah. Yeah, it's not a lot out of the, I think it's 20,500. Okay. We're up to it now. And when you think across the size of the organisation, but there's a lot of other people that we receive complaints about. Um, yes. Uh, 4,000, I think, something like that. Yeah, it's, mm. uh, it's a bit over 3,000, between three and 4,000. We have about 12,000 contacts, but I think um, I'd like to put some, some context around those numbers because that seems a lot. Mm. But if you think about, you know, the however many operational police we've got and how many interactions they have. We've got 600, you know, different police stations and police units, so police stations all open all over the state. You know, think about our, all of our PSOs on the railway stations and how many interactions every day the police would have. And we average around about between two and three um, complaints that require an investigation daily. So if you imagine the whole of the workforce, all of those interactions, the countless formal and informal contacts that the police have with the community, then think about two or three complaints that require an investigation every day. What we actually struggle for at Professional Standards Command is relevance because uh, you're talking about a relatively small number of our interactions actually do go wrong. When they go wrong, we treat them very seriously. But the vast majority of our police are out there doing really good police work. We've got we've got police stations in the state that never get complaints. No. So you know that's a really good record, and uh, and that's the bit that makes me feel really mm. good because I I have an awareness of just how many staff we've got mm -hmm. and how many things actually do go wrong, and we struggle to actually get uh, yeah relevant because people. They don't think about our professional standards command often enough because complaints are quite rare, fortunately. When they do happen, we, of course, treat them very seriously. Uh, but uh, the, the issue is per capita. It would be impossible to actually really work out that. You know, Imagine how many PSOs say g'day to a 
a commuter, for example, it'd be tens of thousands of times a day. Um, so um, it's small. It's small numbers, and that's something that we're proud of. But we're working hard to obviously get rid of. We don't want any complaints. We want uh, everyone to be more professional and more and less emotional in the way that they they do police work. But there's a lot of reasons why we do get complaints. I'm happy to talk about those. Yeah, and just before we go on to that, um, what's some of the history behind the Professional Standards Command? Where, where did it? How did it come about? Roughly, when did it come about? Did yep. it start off with a couple of people responding yep. to an issue? Where did it, where, how did it come about in the Victorian Police Force? Well, I, I um, regret to say I, uh, <laughs> I know about this because when I first joined Victoria Police, there was no actual organised complaints department as there is now. We had, a, we had an office. It was really an office, which was, I think, part of you know, our personnel area or wherever. But to actually have an organised department or a command, as we now call them. Um, that started, I think, in the early 1980s where they actually said, right, let's organise this into something substantial. And it's had a different number of different iterations. Initially, it was called uh, the Bureau of Internal Investigations and then it became... Um, what did it come after that, Mick? Um, IID, Internal oh, Investigations in- Department. Yeah. Then Ethical Standards Department. And, and then most recently, Professional Standards Command. Yeah. So the command, the use of the term command is something that we've used because that brings us into line with the rest of the country. So we're trying to make, you know, uh, Victoria Police use this, have the same look and feel as other areas of the, of the country. Um, but, yeah, at the moment we've got about 150 full-time staff uh, working in our internal investigations area. Of those, there's about 50 detectives that do the the investigations. There's about 30 or so people that look after the receipting and the triaging and the classifying, and then the remainder are made up um, of people that do covert work. We actually have our own little police force inside the police force uh, to deal with the higher levels of corruption that we do occasionally get reported, and obviously I'm not at liberty to talk about particular cases, but the community should be confident, confident that... Uh, there are people within Victoria Police who are able to perform surveillance duties and things like that and do the covert stuff um, on our own members when, you know, we, we, uh, we have that. And then the, the other bit, of course, is um, there's a lot of data analysis. So we have an inten- intelligence area that look after all of the, um, uh, the, the numbers, I guess, and, and look at people's careers and hopefully come up with um, systems whereby people who may be tracking in the wrong direction can be identified so that their behaviour can be addressed. And the last issue, which is not by any means the least important, um, is the the risk area, which looks at the way that globally Victoria Police is going about its duty and and looks for policy improvements and procedure improvements. And and that's, that's actually in many ways almost the most frustrating. Area because we're a, an enterprise that is about 170 years old, and apart from changing horses for cars, there hasn't been a great deal of change in that time. Uh, and uh, we're a, we're a bureaucracy, and like all big bureaucracies, there's a lot of really good people, but there's a lot of people that are rusted on doing things the way they've always done things. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, there's pros and cons, but getting change, obviously, uh, and changing the way people do things, it's a bit slow. Um, but 
I'm not suggesting things are that bad. I mean, the way people go about their duties, as I said, it's pretty much based on delivering good service and uh, trying to avoid complaints and meeting the needs of our community, as we see when the chips are down, like Black Saturday and things like that. People just you, perform you, amazingly. You definitely have a, a, a two, two-edged sword in the sense that you're not only dealing with complaints from uh, public from the outside that are addressing a particular incident or issue, but you're also identifying issues within the police force themselves. For sure. And you're addressing them as well as a completely internal event. So, yes. So if, when uh, a critical incident happens in the street, uh, we, on occasion it's necessary for us to use our firearms, someone might get injured or hopefully not uh, die, vehicle pursuits, uh, people hurting themselves after they've had contact with the police. We actually conduct an internal review, which we call oversight, and um, try and identify what we could do better and, and how we might avoid that being repeated. Um, so that's another component of our work, and a lot of that comes back to my unit, the risk unit, to uh, implement the changes. And as Tony said, sometimes you, <laughs> you get the brick brick wall and whack your head against it a lot. But uh, you yeah. sometimes have uh, union challenges as well, no doubt. Yes, um, we do, but we work pretty much yeah. uh, hand in hand with the union because yeah. we're both. And you maintain a good relationship. To, oh, yeah. certainly. Yeah. yeah, they keep us honest, and of course, they they challenge us uh, in regard to action we take against. Subject employees, but um, and remember, we have two unions because we've got a variety of employees. There's sixteen thousand police officers, something yeah, like that, plus, 17, plus yeah. protective services officers and uh, our support staff who are public servants and uh, the PCOs, which is our custody officers that work in the cells in our police stations, which is freed up people to go and work on the streets. No, that's fantastic, yeah. guys. Will, uh, Sorry, Will, I was just going to give you a practical example of what Mick was just talking mm. about that's just come up in the last few days mm. where mm. we had, you know, someone died on the roads and they'd been, they'd been in real trouble personally in their personal life and the police had had involvement as had, um, you know, the hospitals and everything else. So um, because that person died on the road, um, we track what had happened in their life previously and we look at what the police who were involved with that person in the last few weeks, uh, what they actually did to see whether there's any opportunities for us to do a better job so that maybe that life would have been saved. Yeah. Um, and that's a practical example of the oversight that, that Michael's talking about because... And you can do further review yeah, and, and change rules and Yeah, that's right. So, so we're desperate to look for ways that we can improve. Yeah. And um, because our primary aims is to protect life and property and if someone has contact with the police and then goes on to, to end up dying in a car accident or committing suicide, they're the sorts of things that we try to really learn from and, uh, and then make those organisational changes. Fantastic stuff. Um, after the break, we're going to just talk about what it uh, involves when we're making a complaint and some of the processes that we go through that. Um, we have Tony de Riddler and Mick Simpson from uh, Professional Standards Unit. Uh, more after the break. Missed an episode or want to hear this one again? Our Glow Show podcast is published immediately after the program goes to air. Nice, huh? Head to joy.org.au forward slash The Glow Show or subscribe to the program on iTunes so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to The Glow Show. I'm here with Gab 
And we've got Superintendent Tony DeRitter and Inspector Mick Simpson from our Professional Standards Command. Did I famously pronounce that wrong as you usual? You said Riddler, but yeah. that's fine. Riddler. Oh, <laughs> yes, sir. Last time I checked, I was not on Batman. Um, <laughs> you, and, you're, and I don't think there's anyone here apart from Mick Simpson I pronounced the right name, so you're not <laughs> Call alone. Call him Bart. <laughs> yes. Or Marge. Yes. yes. No, Marge is my stepmother, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, um, one thing I'd like to talk about, uh, I, I've had an issue, let's say, out on the street with a police officer, and let's just say it's been a homophobic issue. Okay. Uh, so let's uh, try and keep this within our community as a good example. Uh, and I haven't been happy with the behaviour that's been expressed yep. to me or, or served to me, and I ring up the Professional Standards Command and form, formalise a complaint. What happens from there? Well, firstly, anything like that mm-hmm. is extremely um, round upon. So any kind of discrimination, and you'll probably recall that about five or six years ago, there was a very, very significant piece of work done around discrimination, race, racial discrimination uh, through the Equality is Not the Same report that was uh, handed down. Victoria Police has got a really strong commitment to ensuring that people get good service and that um, any of the isms, uh, whatever they might be, uh, and any of the phobias, that that isn't a part of uh, of the service that we get. We, If that would be reported, then that would be investigated as a matter of quite serious misconduct. So if someone has copped a bad, um, a bad service and they felt that it was because they were gay or because they were African or whatever it happened to be, Uh, and that was reported to us, then that aspect of it would be investigated. If someone was racially vilified or abused because they were gay or anything like that, then that would be a very, very serious investigation that we would take um, extreme care of investigating carefully uh, to to make sure that if that were in fact the case, we would find the evidence and and deal with the member appropriately. And I can say this, um, I know... With the equality is not the same thing. Members did lose their job because of racism. That's how, how serious, serious it is. It is seen, and it's part of uh, the basic training that members get. And I should point out that the growth in Victoria Police has been, in some ways, a little bit of a hang on. It's a yeah, it's a mm. it's an amazing ride. But on the other hand, what it's enabled us to achieve is significant changes in the cohort of people that are coming into Victoria Police. Because if you've got six or 7,000 people coming into your organisation over the over a you know, four- or five-year period, and probably in reality, Mick, we've probably had about 10 in the last 15 years or so, we've given them really good training around this. The first week of training is just about the philosophy of what it is that you've joined Victoria Police for, what you were expected of, and you know what your attitudes are are to be, and if we find anyone doesn't fit in, we get rid of them because we absolutely want people to not only uh, be respectful to um, the community but to be respectful particularly to those people in the community that might be for whatever reason because they're in a minority, they represent you know, a refugee or group or something like that, that they are um, particularly well looked after. And we've done that, I think, really, really well because of um, the changes that were brought about probably six or so years ago mm-hmm. in uh, recruit training where we spend a lot of time 
getting them the right attitude. So in relation to your hypothetical, I hope it's hypothetical, <laughs> your hypothetical complaint, that would be um, put through the process. The process is that we, we obviously read or listen in the case of a phone call or, um, you know, we take details and then we, uh, we carefully look at what we've got and if there's enough there, we will classify that complaint, create a file and either have it investigated within the Professional Standards Command or, as is the case in most matters, it's outsourced to a to a, a complaint investigator out in, out in the field. So I work for the airline industry, yes. for example, mm-hmm. and and it is very complex mm-hmm. and uh, very demanding, a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. and accidents and incidences do happen, and and, and I would say mm-hmm. regularly across the nation mm-hmm. among all the organisations, and we have a, a process. It's called Meter, which investigates every incident, and it's basically a, a no blame policy yeah. where. We unless the individual is premeditated in his action, yes. Generally, no one gets any disciplinary action. So even if it's a case of negligence, um, you you analyze the individual's uh, situation. So it may be fatigue, it may be lack of training, it may be pressure from home, it may be the the work shift demands that he's doing, which is uh, or, or any accumulation of those those uh, issues, which is forced him to have misjudgment or just to make a simple mistake. So I can hope and assume that the professional standards command, once a complaint gets to that situation, you have a similar sort of matrix or a similar sort of policy? Hmm. Um, In fact, the vast majority of complaints that come in, and probably if I talk about your example, we take the homophobia out of it, the, the police officer was a little bit rude or had an attitude that day, something along those lines. The um, matter will be referred to their line manager Look at their history. Have uh, had a similar problems in the past. Look at their performance management. But the the issue will be resolved by their managers in consultation with the person who's told us about the the behaviour. And I don't know how much is service delivery and and oh, yeah. eighty ninety percent of the incoming work. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's uh, the data sort of changes from year to year, mm. but we get seven or eight hundred of these sort of low, relatively low level. You know, it's not corruption, yeah. Um, but bad customer service or police not doing their job as well as they probably should. They're they're another kind of file. There's about four or five hundred of those, and then we've got minor misconduct, which is you know probably another five six hundred files. But of the more serious files, is as I said before, about a thousand a year. So that works out between two and three a day. But what I'd say will is um, if someone is behaving corruptly, or if someone is a crook, or if someone's a violent thug, or if someone's you know out there drink driving all the time, or beats up their wife or partner, or we will hunt them down and get them out of the job. We don't want police like this in mm-hmm. Victoria Police. If someone is corrupt, if they are selling information, or they're diverting drugs that have been seized, or or they're using drugs or something like that, we will hunt them down and we will get them out of the job. That is. Uh, something that we do, as Mick said before, we, we probably, between 25 and 50, depending on, we have a number of people that what we say they get out ahead of the posse, which mm-hmm. is a, a euphemism for, you know, they see the writing on the wall and they uh, they think it's probably better to resign. And we always accept a person's resignation because once they're resigned from the organisation, um, then it's a certainty that they've left. So uh, we accept that. But the reality is... Police investigating police is often criticised, but the fact of the matter is there are people in jail right now and we 
probably dismiss or exit from the organisation in one way or another. Um, quite a number of people, one every couple of weeks, sometimes one a week, because they are found in our massive organisation mm. just to not be the right person or their behaviour is just not up to speed. So that's the, that's the reality. But what you were talking about before I think is an important point. What we encourage people to do is to actually acknowledge that they've made a mistake. People do make mistakes. In policing, it's easy to make mistakes because we are dealing with often very emotional situations. If you can imagine someone going into a home where a child has been abused or may have been beaten up or may have been molested, if you can imagine what the carnage that is being dealt with on the road, if you can imagine having to do with deal with that and then say, I expect you as a person to be dispassionate and unemotional and not allow it to get to... Of course it gets to... It gets to Sometimes just reading a file, you can get very emotional about what's happened. We try, obviously, to keep people professional. We try to encourage people to say professionalism up, emotion down, but it doesn't always happen and mistakes get made. If a genuine mistake has been made, what we do is we admonish the person or we provide workplace guidance and that is the overwhelming majority of the occasions that things go wrong, that's what happens. Mm. It, if things have been done uh, in good faith or a mistake has been made and a person admits it, they're not sacked from the organ from Victoria Police just for that. They get the duty of care or they get the care they, they, they deserve. They do. Yeah. And Tony, what about um, strong personal relationships? We were talking before we came into the studio about how as police you form really strong relationships with, relationships yeah. with people. Policing is a, is a, it's a really good question. Um, policing is a, a catch-22 in a lot of respects because – while we expect people that are working, if I'm working with Mick on the van and he does the wrong thing, the organisation expects me to um, to say, look, Mick, you've done the wrong thing, I'm going to have to report that to the sergeant. But at the same time, what the organisation expects is because Mick and I are out there on the van dealing with life and death situations, you know, the organisation expects and the community expects and it's imperative that we develop a really strong bond so that we can rely on each other when the chips are down. And the way the organisation's structured, if you think about policing as just one big entity, you're wrong. What we've actually got is a lot of little franchises out there. The little police stations are little families and they develop very, very strong bonds. And sometimes what we see is when something goes wrong, someone does go belly up, someone has an integrity issue. Sometimes we see that it's compounded by the fact that those relationships that have built up in that in team environment over a long period of time, they go uh, astray and a person ends up making a bad call because their personal relationship with their partner or their sergeant or their boss is stronger than their orientation to, to their own personal integrity or the organisation. And we've had occasions where people have made these mistakes and have gone home and Mick was talking before about a member who who went home and because he'd actually accepted some corruptly acquired money, he was actually physically sick and, re and reported that, but the damage, of course, was done. It's never that easy. Fortunately, we know that because most of us are doing the right thing, you know, these are rare occasions, but uh, it, it actually is not that easy to, to get that because, as I said, policing is a bit of a catch-22 because we have to have very strong bonds with one another to be effective in the work that we do. Mm, certainly challenging 
um, job you have there within a challenging department to me. I, I, th- I think it's double dynamite. But it it's, is. <laughs> it's double dynamite. It's a good way to describing it. But it's great work you do. And, and look, we love seeing how you support the LGBTI community as well. You've, uh, as well as every other aspect, you, you don't discriminate. You don't, uh, you, you, you do everything with integrity and, and honor. It's fantastic. But, uh, we still thank Thanks, you. Will. Thank you for the support you give our community. We, we, uh, really love and support you back. Thanks, Mick, too. No worries. Uh, but just remember, there's a way to make complaints about police. If you're not ha- happy yes. with the service that's provided to you, you can make complaints. But don't forget, we also like compliments. There's a lot of good people out there doing really good work. There is. There definitely is. So, yeah. Guys, thanks very much for uh, joining us Pleasure. for this episode yeah. of The Glow Show. I was just going to say what, how we go about making a complaint. Is, I don't think we've actually touched. No, we haven't. We should no? do that quickly to yeah. finish up. Um, you can... Uh, Often speak to the sergeant or the employee is often the very first place to go, especially for lower lower level matters. Professional standards, you can make a complaint at any police station. Uh, If you're not comfortable talking to the police, you can make a report to IBAC, the Independent Broad-Based Anti-Corruption Commission, but they will generally refer it back to us for attention. Um, I think probably 99% of the time um, because it's our issues to deal with. And you can get them from on our websites. Tremendous. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you, Mick. Mm. Gabby, we'll see you next week. And uh, Yeah, thanks for listening to The Glow Show. You have a great week. We'll see you next time. Good night. That's it from us today. Thanks for listening to another Glow Show on Joy. Tonight's episode has just been loaded to the Joy website and our podcast feed on iTunes. So if you missed anything important, you can hear it again now. Please support the volunteers who make the Glow Show happen by subscribing to our podcast and sharing them with your friends on social media. The Glow Show is produced by Will Lansing and Gabrielle Tayak and edited weekly by me, Jason Gibbs. See you next time on Joy. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.